0: And teaching yourself doesn't have to mean doing an online course. Like, I went to semi permanent, and you and I did that workshop with Jessica Heesh last year. And that, you know, that's just jumping onto opportunities that are right in front of you and taking them. And so I think learning outside of the classroom is more than just, you know, opening a design book or something.
1: Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creatives. I'm Charlie. And I'm Femke. And today we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves. Uh,
0: we realise that this podcast is fairly new and still in the early days. So we thought we'd take an opportunity to introduce ourselves to you and talk a little bit about our backgrounds and our thinking and how we sort of ended up in this world of design. So, Charlie. Why don't we just start a little bit? I mean, I haven't talked to you very much
1: this week yet. So, how have you been? I've been good. Um, It's been a really busy week. Not for any particular reason, though, that I can point to. It's always it's always busy with you. (laughs) I know it is, but this week, for some reason, feels even more so. I think it's because I had a lot of different things on, and like at work at the moment, I'm not. Working on one particular big project, it's lots of little stuff, and it's the same in all my side projects. I feel like at the moment I'm just like doing bits and pieces from a lot of different things. So, I think that just always makes me feel busier for some reason.
0: Is that quite an adjustment for you to not have a big project
1: to work on at work? Because I know your last big project was the marketing site. Yeah, um, it is an adjustment. I don't. I much prefer having one big project on and then be able to fill in like little gaps with little stuff around the edges when I need like a mental break from the big project yeah I much prefer that way of working but uh there, there's going to be another big one starting next week a new like section of the site so that'll be good I'm looking forward to that are you the same in that way you like having big big stuff to do I
0: I like having big stuff to do and I like having multiple big stuff to do right. <laughs> uh, for some reason I just I really like to keep busy I'm I'm a person that's just always on the go and I sort of get a bit lost when I don't have lots of things going on. So I do enjoy working on like longer form projects and I enjoy working on multiple of those at the same time, which, you know, comes with its ups and downs, but it keeps it interesting, I guess.
1: (laughs) For sure. How, How have you been this week? Since we haven't really talked to each other yet, we spent, for the listeners, like half an hour before recording this episode, just trying to get our setup working.
0: <laughs>
1: I have had a very busy week, just a tiring week, really.
0: You know, sometimes you have those weeks where you just are extra tired. Yeah. But I've been good. I've been really enjoying the season, actually. I don't know about uh, what it's like in London, but here in Amsterdam, all of the trees are turning yellow and orange. And it's just the most beautiful beautiful thing coming from New Zealand where our trees are evergreen seeing like the yellow and orange trees outside every morning is just
1: really beautiful I totally agree with that I always wondered because I'd always seen um English people on YouTube talking about how much they love the autumn time and I was like it's just a season like I don't understand what's so special about it but now that I'm here I totally get it autumn is amazing
0: yeah, it's a nice way. Like having seasons is a nice way to sort of break up the year again. I guess a little bit. So yeah, that's nice. I think New Zealand only has two
1: seasons. There's warm season and cold season.
0: Exactly, <laughs> and you kind of like get in this not a rut, but just like it's just so continuous. Yeah. You don't have anything to break break up the year. <laughs> So yeah, I've been enjoying that. That's really nice. And then work has been good, busy as always. I fell a little bit behind on the eight ball this week with my blog. I do a new blog post each Thursday and lo and behold, I woke up Thursday morning with no blog post. Oh no! So I spent the next few hours writing it out and actually it turned out to be you know, it was received quite well. Is that your one about uh where to find clients? Yes, it was.
1: I really liked that one. That was a great blog post. Oh, that's good. Thank <laughs> you. Uh
0: yeah, so I got some good feedback on it and now I'm like, "Huh, well, if it did so well, maybe maybe I should continue just, you know, writing <laughs> it a few hours beforehand, you know, under pressure." <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not a habit to get into. <laughs> maybe not. But yeah, so
1: I'm I'm happy that it went well, even though I was a little bit behind there. Since we just um, since we just talked about our day jobs a little bit, should we start with that? Let's introduce what on earth we actually do during the day, because I feel like on this podcast, we're mostly going to talk about our side projects because that's those are our passions. And, you know, talking about your passion is much more fun than talking about your nine to five. But I think it's important for everyone to know what we do during the day. Yeah, totally. Do you want to start then a little bit? Yeah, so I am a marketing designer, and what that means is that I am a graphic and digital designer on the marketing team for a startup based in London called Edited. It makes uh, retail analytics software. So that means that I basically spend my days designing websites, designing swag, designing printed materials for events or people to sales tools, that sort of thing, just basically anything that the marketing team needs to help us sell the product i suppose
0: yeah so marketing design i mean that's pretty unique so is that web and print or like just the marketing
1: site or how how far does that sort of go that term it's everything it's web and print and it's not just websites but it's also digital design like web ads i suppose imagery for the blog Whatever, whatever is needed that's not designing the actual product itself is my job. <laughs> yeah, that must be
0: super fun. Yeah, I love know, it. Getting, getting a lot of opportunity to do different kind of design.
1: Totally. And the interesting thing is when I was in university, marketing design is not a job that I even knew existed. Like I barely knew that in-house design was even a thing. And in-house design is when you are a designer for one company, one brand, like you work for the company rather than being at an agency that the company might hire to have design work done. So, yeah, that's what I do. I just work for the same brand, which I really like because it means that I can get to know that brand and, you know, feel a connection to it and feel passionate about it and dedicated to it, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big uh, benefit of being an in-house designer is you you really get to learn the brand and you sort of develop this relationship with it and then you know you you come to make better decisions about things because you know the brand super well as opposed to if you were at an agency you know you just get this like one you only have a certain period amount period of time to spend with the brand
1: yeah that's true and I guess um if it wasn't a brand you liked very much then at an agency that'd be a good thing but (laughs) for in-house you pick a brand and a company that you like working for and Yeah, it makes the day job quite enjoyable. You do in-house design as well, right, Fem?
0: Yeah, so I work at Atomic, which is a startup. Uh, We do interaction design and prototyping software. And I work there mostly in marketing and communications. So I do a lot of the uh, onboarding and some support and our sort of email comms. And I also sort of manage the blog a bit and other sort of marketing campaigns like swag and that kind of stuff. So it's it's quite fun. It's a really interesting job. Like no day is exactly the same. And me sort of being one of two of the marketing people there means there's a lot of opportunity. So it's it's really cool. It's it's not like I have a whole marketing team backing me. I sort of get to hold a lot of the reins, which is really fun. And on top of that, I do occasional design uh, in a sort of marketing communications way so maybe we need images for tweets or Facebook posts or for our next uh, company update email that's going out we might have some imagery for the new features that we have or for the help centre doing some video work for that so yeah it's a a lot of different things and it it definitely keeps me busy.
1: (laughs) Do you think that because you don't spend all day like Actually, doing design work, you know, on the tools, you do a lot of communications work as well. Do you think that makes you enjoy designing in your spare time more? Yes, I definitely do.
0: When I sit down and open Sketch to work on like freelance projects or do do design for myself, uh, it definitely makes it feel fresh because I haven't been spending the last eight hours already slaving away in Sketch, and it also kind of makes it a bit of a uh, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but when I open up Sketch, like that's my time to be creative. Yeah, totally. And it's kind of reserved for that rather than like having it open all the time and spending the entire day in it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it comes with its benefits, I think. It keeps it fresher.
1: I think so too. And because I design uh, for the web mostly during my day job, I find that I don't really like doing web design projects as much in my side project time like I prefer to spend that time doing other things like getting more hands-on designing t-shirts or doing some lettering or even just editing videos you know yeah
0: like your t-shirts is a great example of something that complements your web stuff Mm. well you know
1: and I get to do a little bit of web things like when I need to make an update to my blog template for example or the web store but I don't spend all day in it so that's good
0: yeah that's that's really cool
1: so I have been in the industry a wee bit longer than you. So you started, you graduated last year, right? No, I graduated this year. <laughs> oh my God. I
0: know. <laughs> I graduated in June, so a few months ago, uh, but I've been working at Atomic since January. So I was working there part-time while I was studying. It, it's, I should note that I was a part-time student, so I spent most of the week at work and only sort of 10 hours or so at university uh, and then I finished that up in June and that's when I started full-time at Atomic which is my first full-time job so yeah I, I am quite new to the industry and I guess I'm hoping
1: that that will bring a different perspective to this podcast maybe. Yeah and I think that um, though also you're not like you are not the standard new design graduate if you know what I mean like your passion and your determination means that You're probably more further ahead than some people who graduate after a, you know, four year bachelor degree. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, I I guess that's right. But do you want to, like, I'd be keen to hear why
1: you say that about me. Well, I think that um, design is not for everyone. And sometimes people work that out early on and, you know, move on to something else. But sometimes they'll finish a degree and they'll just be treating it as a degree, not as like a lifestyle. Or a career. (laughs) yeah. Or even, I don't know, I mean I think you can have a career in design without being passionate about it but I think that you have to be passionate about what you do and when you are passionate about it, you like live and breathe design constantly and I feel like that's what you do and I feel like some people who I graduated with, that is not the case.
0: Yeah, well I guess for me that's paid off because now I I have a super fun job and I do feel quite lucky that I – got that job before I even finished school so
1: yeah it paid off. <laughs> yeah definitely I think passion always pays off and even more so often than like getting good grades and things with design like the passion is more important.
0: So what about you though because you we went to the same design school but not at the
1: same time We did. so
0: you graduated a few years ago right?
1: Yeah I can't remember when I don't know it was a while ago a few years.
0: <laughs> yeah and from that, you you did get a design job straight afterwards, didn't you?
1: Yeah, but like you, I was doing um, my course part-time for the last semester. We should say um, we both went to Massey University in Wellington and did their design program. I did the four-year Bachelor of Design with honours uh, and... It's Yeah, it's meant to be four years, but I took an OE and went traveling in Europe for a semester, so it meant that my degree actually... Totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth it. It meant my degree took five years, but that was all right because I was only studying part-time for the last semester, which meant I was able to get a design job working about, I think it was about 30 hours a week possibly. And that meant that when I finished university, I had an offer straight away, which was such a relief. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's super cool. And so what were you doing there? What what kind of work was it?
1: I was, a, there I was a graphic designer and I say that rather than marketing designer even though I was on the marketing team because I was only doing print-based stuff. I wasn't designing websites which is so weird for me to think about now that there was a time when I wasn't designing yeah, websites. Yeah, how did
0: you, I mean this could be saved for another podcast but how did you transition from print to web?
1: Basically one day I decided that the web was the future of design, like that's where it was all going and that all marketing marketing design needed to be have a digital focus to it, that things weren't just going to be print anymore and I felt like even though the company I was at didn't like focus much on web, there was one guy who was designing the website but like, there wasn't enough work that needed two people on it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I decided that that's just a shift that I wanted to make, like now or never sort of thing, just needed to try it. I had done a couple of interactive design papers at university. So, I wasn't totally fresh to it, but the web moves very fast, so I was reading blog posts and just reading about web design and studying what other people do and trying to code a few things myself just to learn how it all works. And then I managed to apply for a web, well, then I managed to apply for a marketing design role. With just a couple of websites that I had designed, and luckily the people there took a chance on me and hired me, and I learned so much at that first web design job. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really, really awesome. So now, do you do you still do much print work, like in your side projects, or you're mostly web now?
1: I do, I do print work, but I would say that the print work is never my focus anymore. Like, whereas at my old job, it would have been. Designing a flyer would have been like a big project. Like, right, okay, we've got to design this flyer, you know. But now it's like, okay, yeah, I'll just do this quickly and then move on to doing a website. (laughs) Yeah. That might also be just a sign of me maturing as a designer and getting better at what I do, that things like that don't take us long anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: What sort of, when you were, um, well, actually, let's start with, when did you decide you wanted to become a designer?
0: You know, I think... It was definitely a couple of years ago, which sounds very recent, and and it is. I, I will admit that it is recent for me. I originally did a bachelor degree in marketing, so I finished that. That was three years, uh, and towards the sort of end of that degree, I sort of realised that what I was really interested in was branding and sort of creative advertising, and so at, at that stage. I was like, oh, you know, I want to work at Saatchi and Saatchi. I want to do huge advertising and branding campaigns like for television and billboards and that kind of stuff. So that was where it started. I I mean, obviously, I I didn't pursue that direction because I I don't do that now. (laughs) But that's definitely where my sort of interest in design started. Towards the end of that degree, I started looking at creative options. You know, uh, do I just you know how, how do I get into a design agency or, or a creative marketing agency so I was like do I teach myself do I go and study somewhere do I do an online course and I started by just teaching myself online and then realized through that I sort of realized that I was more interested in graphic design rather than uh you know creative marketing advertising things so then I ended up at Massey, uh, a year or so later after moonlighting in Photoshop but I didn't end up doing the four-year degree that you did. What I did instead was called a graduate diploma in graphic design because I wasn't super keen to go and do a whole nother
1: four-year study. And also I don't think that another four-year study for you would have been necessary because a lot of what you learn in that four-year degree is, well I mean university is all about learning how to learn right? Yeah. And learning how to be self-disciplined and commit to things. For me, going going to design school was more about gaining confidence
0: in myself and believing in myself that I can do it. Totally. As opposed to just being self-taught, which I, I totally encourage. You know, I think being self-taught is awesome, but I struggled with it personally a little bit because it made me feel like I wasn't as good as my peers, which isn't necessarily true but that is how I felt yeah so going to university gave me that extra confidence uh, and it it let me see what it was more of like a glimpse into the classroom of what everyone else is learning and I sort of jumped on that learned the same things but then continued teaching myself at home through through freelance projects and whatnot so I think
1: that's the best combination of learning design actually is studying it like being taught by someone else, whether that's through courses online or, you know, through actual formal education, but also teaching yourself by just trying things out. I think that that's where the passion comes in, that if you are passionate about design and you want to learn more, you just can't help yourself, but try and, you know, teach yourself, right?
0: Yeah, totally. And teaching yourself doesn't have to mean doing an online course. Like, I I. I admit I did a couple of Skillshare courses and that kind of stuff but also I went to semi-permanent and you and I did that workshop with Jessica Heesh last year and that you know yeah, that's right that's just jumping onto opportunities that are right in front of you and taking them and so yeah I think I think learning outside of the classroom is more than just you know opening a design
1: book or something. Definitely you're so right and again that's the passion like where you are seeing those opportunities and jumping for them. So what are you working on at the moment, Femme? What is the biggest project on your mind? My biggest project is
0: my freelancing, which some people may say, oh, but, you know, isn't that a business? That's not really a side project. But because I do that in my spare time, I treat it as a side project. So that is really my main sort of side project focus at the moment and and within that comes lots of little side projects like the blog I'm spending a lot of time on the blog and we do a newsletter as well and I sort of see each of those little things as a side project within my freelancing totally and then of course there is also this podcast which is the latest addition to both of our lists of side projects yes (laughs) so yeah though I mean those things combined already take up a lot of my spare time and I would love to take on more uh, more focused side projects, but at this stage, I would rather focus on the ones that I'm currently pursuing. <laughs> Definitely. Tell us about your favourite
1: freelance project that you've done.
0: My favourite freelance project would have to be the one that I just finished. <laughs> Is <laughs> it, that your favourite because you just finished it? Well, yeah, probably. You know, I, I I feel like as you get better and continue doing freelance projects, you, well, for me anyway, I, I enjoy each one more than the last, you know, because it's just a growing thing for me. Yeah, totally. So I'm probably always going to answer with the last one I did, but especially the last one I did, I I did really enjoy. Uh, I can include a link to it uh, in the show notes, but it was a website for a New Zealand parts supplier. Basically, they needed a new or an additional website which is focused on forming new relationships with new suppliers. So it's kind of marketing them to new suppliers in order to get uh, more stock and more range, so that was that was really fun. It's a one-page website. It's sort of sort of feels like a landing page a little bit, uh, but yeah, that was super fun to do. I really enjoyed doing that. Awesome. But what about you? What what have you been working
1: on lately? I think that the biggest thing that's been on my mind lately is been my YouTube content. Just recently, a couple of months ago, I put up a video, like trying to teach people how to wireframe a website, talking through my process, and I was really nervous to do that because I think that you know, that's something that I've just learned over the years, picked up bits and pieces from other people and made up some pieces myself. So it's there's not like one specific correct way of doing wireframing. It's very personal. It's whatever works for you. But I decided to just put it out there and I was a bit worried that people might say, oh, you're wrong. You shouldn't do it that way. That's terrible. You know, you should be doing it this way. But the response was really great. And that like gave me a boost of confidence and has made me want to make more videos Teaching little things, you know. So, um, actually, just today on the day we're recording this episode, I'm going to be posting a video where I've talked about the four main methods of printing T-shirts, what I've learned about them over the years, and what they should be used for, the pros and cons of each. Just sharing little pieces of knowledge. So, I'm currently thinking about more videos that I can make along those lines.
0: So, question for you then is: how long? How long do you think you need to be doing something before you have? enough authority to teach
1: it to somebody else? Oh, that's a tough question. I think that it's not about a length of time. I think it's about feeling confident in it. If you do something once and think that, yes, that's definitely the way everything should be done, then go ahead and teach someone else it. But for me personally, I need to be doing it for a little bit myself to be sure in it you know and to be sure it's the right thing I I guess I'm cautious like that that I would never be 100% sure of something the first time I did it yeah but I mean you you've been doing your YouTube channel for a couple
0: of years now and I guess you've sort of built up that authority might not be the right word but but trust so people people trust you and and they they look up to you and so I mean if you'd brought out those videos like on day one People probably may have thought, oh, well, who's this girl, you know, but because you've sort of built up this whole two years worth of resources and and videos and and information that I think people, people respond to it well, which it sounds like they have, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I think you're right there. I didn't think about it that way, but now is probably like exactly the right time for me to be making those sorts of videos, which is cool. It just happens to be that it's the time that I finally found, you know, the confidence and the the means to do so, yeah.
0: And so are you complementing that at all with like blog posts, like tutorials style or or just the videos at this point?
1: I do write a blog post to accompany each video generally but honestly the YouTube channel is more of my focus. I should really pay more attention to the blog. I think the blog for me is more of just like a, a place to express thoughts yeah. in a way. Like I like not being too serious about it and too strict with myself on what type of content can go on there. It just keeps it fun. What are your What are your plans for future
0: tutorials? Then do you, or, or maybe you can't share, but do you have plans for them, or you're just kind
1: of yes. going with it? There is one I have planned, and that is um, I screen print t shirts myself, so I design and then make the screens and print them myself. I'm actually not been able to make screens for a while because it's a long process and. Haven't got that set up in London yet, but I am have recorded a video about that process, trying to teach people it, and I'm also going to accompany it with a PDF, with an instruction guide. Nice. Yeah, I thought I might give it a try, just to yeah see if it helps to have all the steps written out, because when I first learned how to screen print, I found a couple of different tutorials online, that were in written form on blogs and printed them out and sort of took bits and pieces from each as I experimented and found the way that works best for me. So, yeah, I think I'm going to make my own guide and share it with people and see what they think. Hopefully it helps. So what, you know, if you had to describe your YouTube channel to someone, how would you
0: describe it? Because I know that you do quite a lot of different types of videos so you have some style stuff and beauty and DIY and design as well so are you is your intention to continue with that sort of wide range or would you like to f- focus it down a little bit more?
1: No I think that I want to keep my YouTube channel about like life as a designer and for me life as a designer involves me going to things like fashion week you know not because I'm a designer but that's because I'm something that I'm interested in I wouldn't want to cut out those other interests. Like I'm more than just a designer, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's probably what makes you stand out from the other design-related YouTube channels, which are very much super hyper-focused on design. And people probably, well, I mean, people must, seeing as you've got so many subscribers, uh, enjoy seeing that other part of you and just seeing, you know, your your daily life through your vlogs
1: and seeing what, what you're up to. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, I could build a very different audience. Who knows? It might be bigger, it might be smaller if I just focus on design or if I just focused on anything that's not design, you know. But I'm just doing things the way I want to and making the stuff I want to make. And yeah, it seems to be working well and I'll keep going. because yeah, I know that you have been approached by some networks in the past that you've turned down. Yes, so many.
0: <laughs> Without going too, too in-depth about it. Why have you turned them down?
1: I've turned them down because... What these? Let me explain. What happens when you have a YouTube channel that generates, you know, a few thousand subscribers is you start getting lots of emails from YouTube networks who want to, like, take your channel as a part of their network and place ads on your channel. And they say that from there you'll earn more because the ads that they place earn more than just the plain YouTube ads that you can get anyway if you're a YouTube partner. But it's not about the money for me. And that's why I've turned them all down, that none of them seem to understand I'm not about just gaining a massive audience for no reason. Like if they shared my videos on their Twitter account, for example, that's not necessarily the audience that's going to be right for me. So I'm not interested in that. I just, yeah, none of them have treated me like a real person and like wanted to know about my goals before. They just all assume that, oh, you're making YouTube videos. You obviously just want to earn more ad money, you know, which is not the case.
0: Yeah. That's a bit of a shame. And, and, I mean, they probably think that because that's probably the case for most YouTubers, I guess. I mean, you you probably know better than I do, yeah. but I assume that most YouTubers would probably,
1: you know, fall head over heels for that. A lot of YouTubers have, like, a much wider target audience than I do, I suppose, so they networks work for them a lot of the time. But generally, YouTube networks aren't good unless you've got, like, enough subscribers for them to bother paying attention to you. Right. And I'm definitely not at that stage yet, so... Yeah, we'll stay independent. I like keeping it as a side project too, like you with your freelance business. I think
0: that's the sort of sweet spot about side projects is that it keeps it enjoyable because it's not uh it's not your main focus, you know? Yeah. Like if I turned my freelancing into my full-time thing, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't have as much or be able to spend as much time actually designing because I'd spend more time on emails and administration and finance and running the business you know there'd also be the stress of finding clients and making sure the bills are paid exactly so keeping it as a side project sort of keeps it light and takes away those sort of heavy heavy parts of it and and keeps it enjoyable so you know I, I can definitely see how that would also apply to to a YouTube channel Yeah. So do you find any challenges with your side projects? So that could, I I mean, maybe time management wise or or design wise, is there anything that you kind of
1: find challenging about it? The main challenge for me is definitely always going to be time. I wish that there could be 48 hours in the day and I could spend half of that sleeping and doing my actual day job and, you know, eating food, exercising, perhaps being a healthy person and then the other half doing side projects because there's always a delicate balance and I feel like I'm constantly trying to get the right balance and never quite succeeding. You know, like I'd like to spend more time with my friends and hanging out with my boyfriend. And when I do that, sometimes then I let side projects fall away and then I have to catch up. And yeah, it's a tricky balance. Do you find that too? Please tell me it's not just me struggling with that. I I do
0: struggle with the time factor. However, I don't wish there was more time. No? No. I'm more of like, I wish that I could be better at focusing my time if that makes sense.
1: Yeah that does make sense and maybe that's what I need instead of wishing for more time. (laughs) Because we're never gonna get more time let's be honest so. Well you know we're in the future who
0: knows. (laughs) Maybe. So instead I try to focus my time better and with that comes having to prioritize things and Sometimes my priorities don't align with my boyfriend's priorities. So, for example, my priority may be I have to get a post up on Instagram tonight and his priority may be we have to spend some quality time together. And that turns into us trying to achieve both of them at the same time, which means watching a movie together on the couch while I'm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think for me my challenge is more having focused time and – Trying to at the same time accommodate
1: and be aware of those around me, especially those close to me. If How that makes sense? That does make sense. How do you focus? Like, what is the ideal situation for you to be focused in?
0: My ideal situation would be me by myself in a room. Yeah, <laughs> which which sounds a bit a bit sad, but I mean, Owen, my boyfriend, he's great, but he can be a bit of a distraction sometimes. But but so can everyone. And your you know, cat. If, <laughs> And and my cat, yes. So if I can be alone in a room with my headphones on, door closed,
1: and just in the zone, that's that's productive for me. What sort of music do you listen to? Or is it music even that helps you focus? Like what's playing through your headphones? I do
0: listen to music. And you know, I listen to whatever I feel like listening to. The other day, I listened to classical music the entire day. Wow. And I didn't even realise it was on. I just went into Spotify and chose... A playlist called Focus or something and I got about an hour in before Owen came in the room and he was like what are you listening to and and that's only then when I realized I was listening to classical music because I had been so in the zone of working and that classical music lasted the entire day. Uh, that's so awesome. Sometimes I listen to that or other times I listen to like ambient music or, or nothing too hardcore. I know that some people find like hardcore music like music like rock or like uh intense like house music or something gets them in the zone but for me that just like makes me you know my heart starts speeding a bit too fast so I'd rather listen to sort of slow chill music that's kind of more in the background that makes sense but what about you because I know you you're super into music so what
1: what gets you in the zone it depends on the day, which makes it difficult because it means there's not something that I always know I can put on immediately and be focused to. Yeah. Generally, I'll start my day, if they, well, first of all, I'll listen to podcasts and catch up on all my favorites to um, you know, have on in the background. I like that in the office because I feel like the talking in my ears through the podcast drowns out the office noise and the conversations going on around me and I can just focus on my work and do that. But on other days, I will start with a couple of like the songs that I'm loving at the moment and eventually settle on something that then will last me the rest of the day. I use a service called Audio for my music and it's pretty good with when you finish an album, it'll then move on immediately and play more songs that are similar to that album. And you can get in a really good loop with that sometimes or it's just serving up songs I love and then I don't have to think about it, which is nice. Or other times I've got certain albums that are like quiet, chill music that I really like. And I generally put them on when I'm stressed because I need some calming down and like listening to my favourite music just like like you said, makes your heart beat yeah. faster. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if I'm on a like
0: super tight deadline and just have something that I just need to just do, then sometimes like the house music or or you know, that that can be good. But otherwise, no. <laughs> what are you currently What's something you're really excited about at the moment? Honestly, this podcast. I'm really excited about Aww. it. I am. I mean, we've been talking about doing this for a little while and, you know, you and I have been friends for a few years now and we always have super inspiring conversations when we talk to each other, I feel. Like, I, I'm i really inspired by what you have to say and, you know, you always motivate me and having... having You know, being able to share that on a podcast, I'm really excited about. So that'll be really cool. I
1: am too. You know, I think that I don't have weirdly, I don't have that many friends that are designers, which is strange because I feel like designers always hang out in packs. (laughs) And like, when you're a designer, you all your friends are always designers. But that's actually not the case for me. Most of my friends are from like the YouTube world who I hang out with on a day to day basis. So I love getting to talk to you about design and those sorts of things, and know that I can talk about nerdy things like. I don't know handles on a vector points, and you'll know what I'm talking about, and probably be just as excited <laughs> so about as I am. We're the biggest design nerds, <laughs> yeah. And that's what the, who this podcast is for. We, it's for other people like us who just like talking about design and soaking up any sort of design talk they can. Who are really passionate about design, yeah. I hope we find those people. Make sure you let us know if you're listening, if you're one of those
0: people. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, if you are listening, let us know what topics you'd like us to cover.
1: Yeah, if there's anything you, you're interested in hearing us talk about, we'd love to talk about it. Speaking of passion then, who inspires you as a designer femme? Other than me in this podcast. Damn,
0: <laughs> that was going to be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but seriously, you you have always been an inspiration for me as as a designer like honestly you sort of opened me up to the whole graphic design world when we first started becoming friends so i do i do owe a lot of my inspiration to you cuz you you are just very very motivated person and stop always the conversations we have are always always great and and funny we we always have a good time uh but in the sort of more extended design industry I'm really inspired by Jessica Heish, which may seem strange because she's not a web designer, but I, I am really inspired by her words and what she stands for in, in the design industry for other,
1: other designers. I am too, you know, for th- that, those exact same reasons. And what I like about her is that Though she's not a web designer, she can design websites. Like she has that skill. Yeah. She designed her own website, for example, and I've seen one that she made for I think it was her wedding invitation, with um, which was beautiful. And just the fact that she has that talent, but she focuses on focuses on her passion, which is lettering, is cool. What about you? Is there anyone anyone else in particular that inspires you? I can't think of specific people, like online, that people could check out design related, but. I'm often inspired by my workmates, especially at my old job. I learned a lot from my workmate Jay. He is a great designer, very talented, and always sort of learning new things. And I would always learn new things from him, which was awesome. It's cool to have people like that in your life. I think that being surrounded by other designers and creative people is just always going to be beneficial as a designer and always going to inspire you. And that doesn't have to be... Mm -hmm surrounded by them physically like Fem and I for example live in different countries different cities but we still can be inspired by each other we also are both part of something called the Sean Wes community Sean McCabe is a designer hand letterer and he also has a very successful podcast that you've probably heard of yeah if you listen to this you've probably heard of it (laughs) Yeah he talks about creativity and inspiration well gives us inspiration and being a part of the community which is full of lots of other designers and creatives not all of them do design actually there's photographers there's developers musicians it's cool being surrounded by that creativity.
0: Yeah it's a nice sort of safe place to go and ask questions and and help others as well you know so that's really nice.
1: Yeah for sure and there's always people like I can guarantee that if I went online right now, there'd be someone in there who would be willing to talk to me if there was something, you know, a struggle I was facing or trying to get my head around something, even just like someone to bounce it off, which is awesome. I think that that Sean's community is actually part of what inspired me and Fem to create this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, we've both been listening to Sean's podcast for, I think I've been listening to it for at least two years now, or maybe almost two years, for as long as it's been going, basically. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, I think that's both given us a bit of confidence and, and motivation to, to do this one.
1: I think so. Hopefully this episode you got to know us a bit better and and learned a little bit about our background and where we came from, what we stand for in design. Yeah, I think it's important to note
0: that Charlie and I aren't saying that we are
1: perfect. Oh, God, no. Yeah, we should make that clear.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are still learning so much. I mean, we, we're wanting to share our experiences and our journey along the way. And, you know, we're not saying that we've made it and that and that you should do everything that we do, but we just want to share our experience in, in design and becoming a designer and share that with you guys.
1: I think often too, many podcasts and like information about design out there is from people who are very experienced and you know have made it already and I think we're still early enough in our careers that we can remember what it was like when we first started out and how difficult it was to exactly get started and how frustrating it is when like something's not working right so I think that should be good hopefully hopefully you'll enjoy that yeah
0: Awesome. Well, great to talk to you, Charlie. You too, Fem. And where can people go to find this
1: episode online? You can head to designlife.fm. We have a website where you can listen to all of our episodes and read the show notes, click links to anything that we've mentioned in this podcast. There you'll also find links to our personal websites where you can find us online if you want to learn a bit more about us. Maybe this episode wasn't enough. Who knows? (laughs) Please also make sure you follow us on Twitter at FM we'd love to talk to you and hear your feedback on this episode because obviously this is really new and we're still learning about this podcasting thing
0: yeah we're totally open to feedback and any suggestions to make it better for you definitely until next time charlie we'll see you then Bye. bye